design has to serve a purpose. I think there's a way to do it where it looks great and it's functional. And so that's kind of what I try and do every day. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. It's only taking me 100 episodes, but I finally have my business partner joining me on the call. Welcome to the show, Sean. Oh, thank you. I hope it's worth the wait. Yeah, you just wanted to wait for like the cool number, so you know you're like that's the one I got my eye on. I wanted to make sure that you kept doing the podcast and stayed consistent with it before jumping on. And you know, you worked out all the kinks and all that stuff, so uh, you know, I hopefully I sound better and all that good stuff. Absolutely. All right. So for for those listeners that only know me for my rants and raves with like subject matter experts and founders. Sean is my co-founder at our agency, Electric Eye. Uh, Electric Eye is like the sponsor of the podcast. You know, obviously, this is pretty much a marketing angle for our agency. Let's be real, but we're still giving value to the community. We're, we're super excited about that. So, uh, Sean, let I guess let the people know kind of your background and how you ended up uh, at Electric Eye with me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a long weaving road, but we're here and it's it's a lot of fun. But I started out actually in a completely different field doing uh, environmental science at the Ohio State University here in Columbus, Ohio. So I was doing soil science and things like that. I uh, you know maybe wanted to work for the EPA after college or something uh, that you know to save the world. And I ended up moving to San Francisco where through a friend of a friend, I was just looking for any type of work. I became randomly a graphic design assistant at Old Navy headquarters in San Francisco. Um, this is a little bit back in the day. The buddy gave, he gave me a chance, uh, let me kind of work my way up and just doing, I was just doing whatever was necessary to kind of assist him. He was managing about 14 freelance designers. So through that, um, this friend kind of taught me how to use Illustrator and Adobe Suite. I was not necessarily the most artistic, but I had done some demo tape layouts and stuff like that in college. And my friends were all artists and things like that. So I was kind of picking up on stuff artistically and creatively. And so I started learning little by little these little things with Adobe and kind of shortcuts and how to do design essentially. And I realized that I think my preconceived notion getting into that was that design, you had to be artistic and you had to be an illustrator and had to know how to draw. But what kind of drew me to this field was that I figured out that it had more to do with layout, um, typography, color, and different things that I, I didn't actually have to uh, know how to draw. And once that boundary was kind of removed, I got more into it and learned more and more. And then I ended up... Um, I was there for about a couple years before I uh, was offered to come back to Columbus and work for Abercrombie & Fitch. 
you know, again, friend helped me out and got me in there. And I don't think I knew what I was doing. I don't know if I was qualified enough, but you know, I just observed what everyone else was doing and tried to do my best and put the hours in to become a better designer. And I was doing graphic t-shirts for Rule, which was an offshoot of Abercrombie. This is back like 2007. And um, I was there again for a couple of years before I was offered from another friend to kind of help him start a company. And that this was, I was just kind of doing graphic design help for him, with no kind of thoughts of having it be a full time job. I just was at Abercrombie, was kind of a juggernaut of retail back then. And I thought, you know, this little company or whatever, anything that I start could never be, you know, successful or generate enough money that I could work full time. But, you know, little did I know things kind of progressed with that company. It's just, it was a local brand here in Columbus called Homage. And, you know, back then it was helping out with some logos and designs and things like that. And um, yeah, I was actually able to be brought on as a full-time employee. I was employee number three, along with Annette Grant, who's a good friend of ours. And she was kind of there before helping out and yeah, everybody came friends and uh, we built that business up and kind of luck of the draw or skill or something like that. We built it up and it became fairly successful. So that was a really awesome uh, experience to kind of see things from start to finish in the industry, um, clothing industry and, and online in particular. And I learned so many different things at Homage uh, from web design to store design and everything in between. I was designing clothing, designing graphics, you know, that it just kind of opened my eyes to what's possible. And I was there for about eight years full time before I decided to kind of switch it up and do something else. And when I left, I really didn't know what exactly I was doing uh, or going to do. I just kind of had this idea, maybe, you know, one day down the line, I could do an agency of some sort. So maybe graphic design agency or logo design or something like that. And I was freelancing for a little bit. I had known Chase for quite a long time. And, you know, we had worked together on some photography stuff with Homage and just, uh, you know, some random projects here and there. I helped him with album art for his band, City Lights. Um, it's kind of how we met through mutual friends. And, you know, we were sitting in my house in Columbus and putting together these layouts for the City Lights albums and uh, got to know each other, became good friends. and. Um, I hit him up when I was doing this freelance thing, and he was really the only one. Well, I wouldn't say the only one, but you know, only few people I knew that were really entrenched in that freelance world. And so I was kind of asking him advice, seeing what he was up to, and you know, we just kind of started tag teaming a couple projects, you know, for some friends that needed uh, web stores or you know, little light design work and things like that. And he taught me a lot about freelance world because he'd been in it a little bit, showed me the resources he was using to learn more about freelancing and how, you know, eventually how to run a business. That was my first real like experience of of running my own business. And we kind of started by accident. We realized at a certain point that it made more sense to just make it official and start Electric Eye, which had no name at that point. But, you know, we were just doing projects together and said, you know, let's register something and had to think of a name. 
And we just started running through, I think, song titles we liked in bands, trying to figure out the name and landed on Electric Eye, which is a Judas Priest song. So we both have a love for heavy metal, metal, extreme metal, punk, hardcore, um, that whole genre of music and culture. And so we we landed on Electric Eye and never looked back. Uh, it was about, I think we're coming up on four or five years. Um, so we're still in business and it's a lot of fun to run your own business, a lot of stress, but just kind of an overview of how I started. I was a lowly graphic design assistant, uh, you know, printing things out and doing light design work and changing colorways at Old Navy, uh, then through Abercrombie and then on to kind of helping get homage off the ground and then all the way up into doing this agency with Chase uh, at Electric Eye. And so I've kind of seen a lot and uh, it's been a fun ride. I got a little bit far removed from my original goals and career, but that happens in life. Uh, and I, I just kind of embraced it rather than worrying about it too much. And I'm happy I did. So that's my history. Awesome. Yeah. I, I took a bunch of notes because I didn't want to stop the flow. Yeah. So I'm going to go back and ask you specific questions. Sorry for the monologue. Oh, no, it's fine, <laughs> man. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps brands deliver more personalized digital marketing experiences via email, SMS messages, social ads, and more. And since it's all driven by real-time e-commerce data, you can make sure every interaction feels more relevant. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit Clavio.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. All right. So you worked at uh, some juggernauts in the retail space, which that experience comes up so much with our clients. It's insane. But like, what were some of the key takeaways that you took from working for Gap and uh, for Abercrombie that you brought over to uh, you know Homage as like an upstart? So if someone's listening is either an upstart retail brand or something like, what were some of the things that you learned from the big guys? What the big guys were doing that are impactful for like growing a small brand? Yeah, absolutely. I learned a ton. Um... I would like to think that I was a sponge in those years and I was paying attention to kind of everything that was going on with the business. I think when you are, you know, in the design field, you tend to kind of close your eyes to whatever is going on around you. And this is, you know, I guess for some people, and they just want to focus on, you know, the task at hand, whether it's designing a logo or, you know, a t-shirt or a website, whatever have you. And this could be someone at an agency or at a bigger company, but I tried my best to kind of pay attention to what was going on um, with the merchant side, you know, with the store side and just everything that has to do with the business. And I think that kind of comes from my skill set, which I always thought in my head that I wasn't really necessarily really, really great at one thing. And that I was kind of okay or good at a lot of different things. And so I think that that kind of played into that acknowledgement of other areas of the business. And I was kind of interested in all different types of aspects of the business. And I think that that helped me in a number of ways. Um, it helped me become a better designer. Because the biggest thing about design, um, and I've definitely carried this through to the agency side, 
that people I think don't really recognize is that it can't just look good. Design is functional. It has to work well. You know, usually you're designing something not only for yourself, but you're designing for someone else. You're designing for a client. You're designing for a user, customer, someone that's going to take what you've designed and use it in their everyday life. And it has to work for them. And that, you know, I infused that theory into my design and I paid attention to which graphics at Abercrombie did well. And, you know, I use that to influence my design, make it better. And realizing that it is a business, uh, it's not just my personal taste. We have to design things that sell. And yeah, I just kind of carried that through and use it to this day. I just think that, you know, when we're designing e-commerce websites, it's the same thing. You want it to look pretty. You want it to be revolutionary. You want it to be cool. You know, I, I enjoy that about design. I'm passionate about that. Just making sure things are looking as cool as possible. But that's not the whole story. And Chase often reminds me, that's not the whole story. Um, you have to have the website convert. You know, we're, it is a business. And whether we like that or not, that's kind of the reality of it. Um, and design has to serve a purpose. I think there's a way to do it where it looks great and it's functional. And so that's kind of what I try and do every day uh, of my work career and even outside on freelance projects or anything like that. It's just making it look good, but having a purpose behind it. Absolutely. So uh, you definitely glossed over what happened at Homage there. So I'm going to bring that back up. So you started employee number 3 in a garage, essentially. Uh, and then it grew to 7 or 8 figures before you left? Yeah. So... I mean, Ryan Vessler was the founder started, it started as his idea, um, you know, at the beginning in his parents' basement. And that was over there. We had been friends for a long time. And uh, since we were kids and, you know, running around that same basement and skateboarding and listening to punk music and all kinds of stuff. And he was, he is a great tech guy. He was always more advanced on computers and he loved Apple and all that stuff. And yeah, he had a great idea with this this t-shirt thing and he wanted to get the official licenses for Ohio State. And kind of along with my buddy Martin, we were in our house in downtown Columbus and building kind of helping Ryan build the mood boards in physical form to present to Ohio State and try and get like a licensing deal. Um, and so, you know, I was using what I learned at Abercrombie to create vintage style graphics and then use that at Homage to kind of create similar style graphics for different sports teams and all these stories that Ryan was kind of had in his head and was reading about and researching. And so he would just come up with an idea and then just be like, Hey, throw something together for this crazy story, like um, Disco Demolition Night in Cleveland, I think it was. Uh, I might have butchered that name because I haven't thought about it in a while. But that was kind of what was going on. We were just doing these cool vintage graphics and not really paying too much attention to you know, the business and not worrying about it too much. And it was successful. And so I think there's some luck involved, uh, right place, right time. And there weren't many e-commerce stores back then, which is crazy to think about because so prevalent now, but back then it wasn't like that. We were on, you know, Zencart, which was an old e-commerce platform that 
I don't even know if it still exists. Uh, we had developer in Canada that probably hated me because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was asking them to change all this stuff with the site design uh, all the time. And uh, now I'm embarrassed to look back at how probably how I treated him. <laughs> but, so yeah, we, we built the business up and learned a lot and had great success. And uh, it's still going to this day. It's very well known in Ohio, but I think it's spread out fairly nationally and does fairly well. And it was a really, really interesting part of my life and I learned a ton. So that's kind of the story behind Homage. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's how we met a bit. I came in, you know, when they had their first warehouse and I kind of witnessed kind of the tail end of of that kind of hockey stick growth that they were having. And it's funny because when you and I go to conferences all the time, uh, people will be there from the homage days. And you're like, Oh, it's this is so and so from XYZ, you know, and it's very hilarious. So homage had a pretty good impact on probably the start of this business, if I'm going to be real. Absolutely. Yeah. Want to get each new episode of Honest E-Commerce sent straight to your phone? Join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text Honest VIP, that's H O N E S T VIP, to 72599 to join. By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. I mean, I learned so much there, not just through doing website, but just everything. And I mean, starting, I didn't start the business myself, but I was there from early days and watching Annette do operations stuff. And, you know, back then it was just three people, four people in a room and much like how some of our clients started. And uh, you pick up a lot on how to run the business and how to hire and how to do business and finances and how to talk to people and communicate. And so, yeah, you just learn so much. And I think I just took that with me to Electric Eye and, you know, wanted to keep the culture good around here and uh, focus on that and make sure that everyone was having a good time at work and wanted to grow slow because saw, you know, that homage grew pretty fast. And so while that was really cool to be successful, it was also just a little bit different because you start by doing a ton of different things at the beginning because there's so few people and you're wearing all these different hats. And then as things grow, you become more specialized and you know your role becomes maybe more focused. And some people like that and some people don't. And I think ultimately myself, just going back to kind of being interested in so many different things, I just wanted a new challenge. And I think this electric eye, the agency is a great challenge and it's not easy and it's stressful, but I can kind of wear, put on a lot of those different hats again and kind of do a lot of different things. And I'm still learning. I'm taking classes, learning design technologies and all kinds of different stuff. And it's just always about learning. We're always learning new stuff. Yep. So after you left Homage, well, I guess I would say that Homage is where you first got bit by the Shopify bug. And that's kind of because of you is how I knew the platform existed. So also probably got to point that out by the time you were had a foot out the door that they were on Shopify. They were doing big things there. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of where you got your familiarity with it. Yeah, they were early on with Shopify. And that was Poma was there, John Poma. And he was kind of facilitating 
the switch to Shopify, which was absolutely the move uh, because Zencard, I don't think was set up for, you know, enterprise business and kind of had this thing hacked together and really needed a solution. And I think if you were to think about it today, it'd be a no brainer, but maybe back then, you know, it just wasn't as prevalent. And uh, he got everything switched over. And I didn't actually work that much with that project or I, I wasn't really working on the site at that point, but I obviously knew what was going on. And became aware of Shopify and realized like how cool it was. And when I started freelancing, I just kind of kept crossing paths with old clients and old friends that were on the platform or needed to move to the platform and start their e-commerce stores. And by that time, it was, it was a no-brainer, just such an easy platform to work with. Uh, I kind of fell in love with it. And, you know, tried my hand at designs and stuff like that. I, I'm not a web designer per se, but the beauty of Shopify was that it was just so easy to use. And I could kind of throw a site together with my limited knowledge of, you know, the admin side and uh, the back end and just so easy to pick a theme and customize it and add content that I was like, this is really, really cool. I, I think it's going to be big and I think it's going to be the best e-commerce technology. Uh, and as I, you know, started working with Chase, I think he realized that too. Right, Chase? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you were tagging me in on these projects after you helped move people from like, you know, various garbage solutions to something that worked. And you're like, hey, this thing's cool. Uh, can you can you help market it? Because back when I was freelancing, I was kind of just doing paid ads at that point, some content curation, you know, I wasn't doing anything for money. I was definitely a jack of all trades. Yeah. Um, you know, a renaissance man, as they say, like, you know, I knew a lot about a lot, but you know, I wasn't really focused on anything back then. And then he brought me in on a project to do some paid media uh, for a cool client out of New York. And I was like, yeah, let's just give it a shot. And it worked. So Sean started, you know, asking his old clients and the other ones that we were working with about, you know, hey, do you want help with Facebook ads for your Shopify store? And that's kind of pretty much how the agency started. We had like five or six retainer clients that we were doing paid media for and kind of managing the websites and all this was in the Shopify ecosystem. And clients were kind of getting confused. They're like, so who do I pay? money to? Is it, do I pay Chase? Do I pay Sean? What's going on here? And it's kind of when we were like, yeah, we probably just need to make it easy for people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a nice synergy. Chase had the marketing side, had a little bit of design, and it just made sense to kind of you know build these stores, uh, work with the clients, and uh, also increase their sales. And that's kind of the backbone of the agency is what we do. You know, we're still doing the same kind of formula where we're optimizing store with design and development, and then we are following up with smart marketing and you know investing in ads for the right channels and also email and all kinds of cool stuff and just helping clients live their dreams, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So let's just jump forward 4 years in this story. So that was the beginning. Uh, we made a bunch of mistakes. Everyone does. Oh, yeah. And then now we're, now we're here. Uh, we're 7 or 8 with some VAs now is the size of the team. And we're doing a lot of we're doing a lot of cool stuff these days. But again, kind of like Sean said, we're doing the same stuff. It's you know back then I referred to it as the one two punch, but nowadays we kind of got a few more steps in the process. But it was you know your website is probably not converting for very specific reasons. Might be you're on bad technology, or it might be designed by someone that doesn't understand like user experience. It's like fix that. That's going to fix your conversion rate. Now that that's fixed, let's do more traffic through like paid media. So that was kind of the process back then, but now we've got a few more steps in it. And you know, we're definitely working with kind of a different caliber of client these days. Uh, it's definitely more 
like direct to consumer brands only these days, not really taking anything on on the side anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And still learning, still making mistakes. Um, it's interesting just running the business that nobody really tells you what how to do things. I don't think there's one single business book or, you know, course or something like that that tells you how to run a business. No, there's it's just trial and error. <laughs> you gotta well here's the thing. I think I think with us, we read a bunch of books and while some are boring, you'll get so much out of them. And we definitely wouldn't be where we are now without some books we read at the at the beginning of like kind of our, our growth phase. Hundred percent. So like when it was just me and Sean, uh, kind of doing things to get money, you know, back then it was like whatever someone wants to pay us to do. Uh, we didn't really have like a any systems in place. We didn't have any processes. Like an SOP was like an, a foreign idea to us. And then we, uh, you know, I think we read Traction, uh, and like a light went off, and it was like, hey, like, well, the biggest thing I got around that period, as far as like a golden nugget, was like two people cannot be responsible for one thing because then you just assume the other person would do it which is terrible. So things would get overlooked, things wouldn't get done, clients would get mad. And you know, and that was just like when you're a small business, you're like, oh yeah, everyone's doing everything. But it's like, no, you need clear delegation of who is doing what. So that was like the first hurdle of like growing our agency, I think, was like figuring that out. Yeah, there was a ton of I mean, I hated business books before starting the agency and never probably read one and just did I didn't think I was gonna start a business. So I just didn't really partake in that um, the activity, but I think Chase kind of convinced me to read a few things. And I, uh, I, I did learn a lot. And, you know, if you take one thing out of a book, that's enough for it to be worth it. And so, I mean, profit first was huge. I didn't read it till we got a little bit further down the line, which is fine. Uh, it wasn't too late, but I would say profit first for like anyone that's starting or running a business. It's like really, really cool book. Um, and we, we did definitely did take it, um, and, and put it into action. And that's, you know, reading it is one thing, but actually doing it is another. And so yeah, we did that. And then, uh, built to sell is my other favorite one, which Chase recommended and very easy book to read. You can probably read it in the afternoon. But it's written like a like an allegory, so it's like a yeah. it's like a story. But you can it's cool, nice flow. It, it flows very nice. My kind of book, short and sweet. Um, but it definitely yeah, it runs you through like how to build a business and build it to sell. But you know, even if you don't want to sell it down the line, it's it's you're building it the right way and how it should be built for efficiency. It's enjoyable. Yeah, I love that. And then traction, I think, was good for uh, the company and just how we run things and having an operating system. Yeah. We made all of these systems our own, you know, took what worked for us and kind of you know, left what didn't, but we definitely built a pretty decent system. Like, you know what you're doing every day, you know, who's responsible for what it's a pretty good system, I guess that we've got going on here. It's yeah, it's fairly organized. It's always a plus. I think we, we can always improve. And that's kind of our attitude. Everything is just, you know, we know we can do better, but we're trying seeing what sticks and we're okay to move past things if they don't work out. And yeah, we just kind of keep rolling, keep it rolling. <laughs> it's the best way I can describe it. I mean, it's everyone's going to make mistakes. It's just fail fast and learn from it and move on. Who cares? Like, like at the end of the day, it's never going to be anything super detrimental. So just make the choice. Go with it. See what happens. Yeah, it worked for us so far. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We'll see what happens. Yeah. 
let's be honest today, all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R... G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. So uh, moving on from that, uh, the only other thing I wanted to just say about business books is they are you know dull sometimes, but you're literally reading a cheat sheet to get ahead. So it's like someone else has been there. Just take that advice and read it. Uh, and then kind of going back to what Sean says, no one tells you what to do is like, we've been doing this for so long and we're friends with agencies that are way further along than us and like way further behind us now at this point. And the people that are further in front of us still are like, wow, we don't know what we're doing. Like we just have been doing it a long time. Yeah. So like there isn't like a secret success formula to like build an agency where like the same thing on the other side of the coin, which is where I'm going to pivot the conversation now is like, there's no secret to success for an e-commerce agency, like, or I need, uh, sorry, for a e-commerce brand. A brand. Yeah. There's, a million ways to do it. There's no right or wrong way. You know, it just comes down to consistency, which was like what Sean led with at the top of the hour. Like, you know, hey, you be consistent with the podcast and I'll be on it. So here we are. So uh, getting into that, you know, most of our audience might have been alienated by the first part of this conversation. But, you know, maybe you guys want to know my background and what me and Sean do at the agency. But now we're going to talk about e commerce brands. And, you know, we're just going to get into kind of the weeds there. Like we're working with a dozen brands at a time now. What would you say is like the most common, not mistake, but hurdle that we're encountering with brands? Uh, you know, these brands aren't startups anymore. They're like they found product market fit and they're moving along. Like what's the most common kind of issues or, or hurdles that they're they're having when they come to us or you know, probably other agencies are experiencing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I'd say most common that maybe is a pain point for us and maybe a pain point for them as well is just content creation. So I'd say like just creating great content constantly is a huge need in e-commerce. And I think people underestimate it. And especially maybe when someone gets started, you know, maybe they have some success and people want their product at the beginning and it's uh they have some luck there and and also have thought of a product that people need. And that's great. Uh, but where do you go from there? You know, you have to keep things fresh. If you're running ads, you need content produced, you need lifestyle photography, you need video. And you have all this other stuff going on at the same time. You have life. Now you got people doing homeschooling. And it's difficult to balance everything. Uh, you may have employees, you may have supply chain issues, you might have, you know, production issues, all kinds of different stuff going on in an e commerce business. It's not as easy as YouTube videos make it seem like it is. So yeah, just finding time, I think, and finding the right partners to create content to keep the machine rolling is really important. And I think it's sometimes something people struggle with just to kind of balance everything and keep content fresh and bring in new products and continue to grow the business. Because if you don't do that, you know, you're going to get stagnant, you're going to get the same customers coming back. And you know, it's just going to stunt the growth, I think. Yeah, that's maybe one thing that I notice as 
I'm sure there's a million. <laughs> I mean, I, I preach that all the time. It's like, hey, like get a content production system built within your business or you're going to have a bad time. Like that's going to be people are going to be asking for that left and right. Yeah. Not only on your organic social stuff, but now on your emails, you need content now on your website to refresh it for this new sale. You need content now on all your paid media efforts. You're going to need content. If you don't have a system to make that content, you're not going to be able to refresh that stuff and all that stuff's going to go stale and everyone's have already seen it. So they're not going to pay attention to what the message is. Yeah. And I think a lot of people um, or some, some clients like will come to us and, you know, they want a website designed and their references are, or inspirations are the, you know, most beautiful, well-designed sites in the world, e-commerce wise. And that's awesome. I love to see the great inspiration and I'm inspired by cool websites all the time, but a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of effort went into creating content and photography for those websites. And it's part of the reason why they look so great. So you kind of have to have that as a backbone uh, in order for us to kind of put it all together in a nice package. So that's definitely, I'd say, for brands starting out or you know more established is invest in great content and finding photographers and uh, videographers and uh, copywriters to set your brand apart and have a unique spin on things that brings attention to your brand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's setting expectations is just kind of the right way to approach any larger project with a brand. It's like, you know, when you're talking about the bonobos and, and Nikes and, and Allbirds of the e-commerce world, you know, you better have a Ferrari budget, you know, if you only have a Honda budget, you need to look at some options down there. You know, not even just working with just in general. Like you need to have clear expectations on like what can you actually afford? What's going to be the best solution for your money? What's going to be the best ROI for your investment? And you can still do great things with a Honda budget. And Hondas are great cars. So yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, you're in a different playing field. But yeah, it's just about making the right decisions, looking at people's work and what they've produced in the past. And you can still find good partners for cheap, you know, for more affordable pricing and work with someone in your budget. Don't be afraid to give your budget up front and find someone that can work with you and that you jive with. And then, you know, as things grow, you know, you can always increase your budget and make your designers and photographers and content producers happy, but get them to take a chance on you and then build a relationship. Absolutely. So um, in kind of just the e-commerce conversation here, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think would be like worthwhile sharing before we kind of button up? Hmm. That's a horrible question because I don't know. Um, no, I don't think so. I think we went through a lot of different things and talked about the agency and how it was built. Um, I guess, where do you see the agency going? I'll ask you a question. Oh, question for me? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you can ask me some. Uh, I see the agency diving even further down the e-commerce rabbit hole. You know, We're definitely only doing Shopify these days. We're probably going to get to the point where it's only going to be Shopify Plus clients most of the time. Uh, you know, I think we've got some ideas in the back of our head for maybe some app solutions eventually. Um, but we're really out here grinding out beautiful websites that are built to sell and some amazing strategic marketing initiatives and, you know, just keep that going. Yeah, I think we're in a really lucky, fortunate position uh, with state of e-commerce right now. I think there's a lot of opportunity there to kind of chip away at Amazon a little bit. And maybe, you know, I think through great 
experiences. People will be able to have awesome websites and uh, great customer service. There's a wide open world out there for commerce online. Uh, I just fell in love with it uh, throughout the years and just blended my retail knowledge uh, in with the e-commerce side. And I think it makes a lot of sense to be in the industry, um, regardless of where I first started from. But I do love it. And I think the agency is poised to do great things. I, I love working with great web designers. And that's really what I'm excited about now is, you know, as we get into bigger projects, bigger budgets, and, you know, more resources and things like that. I love just the, the opportunity to make the sites that we're working on look beautiful and also perform well for the client. Um, and so they keep coming back. And we just want to provide really amazing service for all of our clients. I think that one of the plus sides of working with an agency like ours, we're, we're a little smaller. We don't have uh, you know 50 people in an office or remote as you know other agencies do. But I think that kind of benefits us a little bit. Uh, we can speak often and freely with the clients and communicate directly with them and, and the shareholders or stakeholders with those brands. And uh, that's what's really fun to us. We're passionate about it. We love producing results for our clients. Uh, and that's kind of the future, I think, of the agency is just increasing the quality of our work and increasing sales for the clients. Absolutely. I got two things to end on, I guess. Yeah. The first one being is you said you mentioned something about Amazon and it reminded me of this article I read this morning where yeah. Amazon is launching podcasts in like their music thing. But if you talk bad about Amazon, you won't get listed. So I don't think this podcast is getting listed on the Amazon podcast app. Oh, I mean So if you are listening, if you are listening to this on the Amazon podcast app, please email me and let me know that we're still there. But I mean I definitely have said some choice words about Amazon on here before. Okay, so it's, it wasn't just me. I mean, I it's really hard to stop shopping with Amazon. So, good luck to anybody. If anyone has tips on how to do that, let me know. <laughs> but I still still have my Prime account. It's you know they have a ton of crap on there, and it's great. But you know, I do appreciate like small business. We're a small team, so I you know respect that on the e-commerce side and people just starting out and creating like a really great product and having great customer service is going to take you really really far in e-commerce and Amazon has robots and it's cool, but it's you know, it's not really personalized. Um so I'd say yeah. Your edge your edge to win against Amazon is making a better experience. I don't know if anyone's really listening to podcasts on Amazon. So do we care? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm a Spotify guy. Yes. All right. After that, uh, like Sean said, we're growing. And this is the first time I've thrown this out here. If you're like a freelance designer in e-commerce or a freelance developer in e-commerce, and you're looking for some more contract work, hit us up. We are always having overflow work at the agency. Uh, the best person to annoy would be my partner, Sean. So Sean at electriceye.io. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking to maybe help us out on some of these projects that we're doing, uh, you got any parting words before we go? Uh, keep it metal, stay sick, uh, you know, horns up, let's keep it rolling. Keep this agency rocking and rolling. That's all I have. Oh, all right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks everyone for listening, Sean. I know I'll have you back in a few weeks. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Chase. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. 
we've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.